1: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions, give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Uh, This is the show. We call it Calvary Live because it originates from Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado, and it's live. So if you're listening on Grace FM, you're listening online, you're listening on our app, you're hearing this show live. You can call and be on the air live throughout Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska. If you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, you're hearing this one week delayed, however, when you call the show if you call the number right now, you'll get on live with the current audience and with the current host, and then you'll just hear it on your station one week later. 303 690 is the number. So I host on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and yesterday was our midweek Bible study, and you know i i did something i normally don't do on wednesday uh started with going um i i had i had to go home uh for lunch and and i didn't come back into uh the office until service time i'm usually there all day um and so we so i, I had some thinking time um i tried to take some time in my office but, but uh, Wednesdays are just long, uh, good, full days from staff meeting, pastor meeting. I get to meet with the pastors individually, get to meet with my assistant, uh, and who knows what, what is going to take place. I usually just plow through lunch at my desk, uh, do the radio program, rest a little bit uh, before service, and then boom, right into service, and then I have an appointment after service. It's, it's, it's a very fruitful day. I'm uh, very grateful to serve Jesus, but yesterday it, it, it's I had to switch things up, and what that did was it gave me some time, uh, extra time, to think um, and to meditate on the service that night. and And so, let me just walk you through yesterday. And I'm gonna, uh, as we normally do, I'm gonna talk through the beginning stages of the show while we wait for the phone lines to light up. So we are taking your calls, just waiting for your phone lines to light up. 303. 303- 690 303 690 3000 is the number. So I'm driving back into the office for service last night, and and we uh and I was thinking it through, and I was like, this word oppression was on my mind uh, oppression, and so then it led me to go, I think I'm going to look that up in the Greek, but I'm driving so I can't do that. So I'm just kind of thinking, I'm praying for those that are feeling oppressed, I'm trying to think in my mind. Uh, in Scripture, where is that word uh you know and i'm I've got the radio off, you know, and I'm just kind of meditating on this word oppression so by the time I get to the office uh before service, I pull out my iPad, download my message that's been formatted for me, and I look up the word oppression and the and and the Lord impressed upon me a passage of scripture in Luke chapter four uh it is when Jesus comes into the uh synagogue in Capernaum, he opens up Isaiah and he shares with them as he's reading it, uh, he shares the section in Isaiah uh, where he declares the mission that, he, that he's on uh, and why he has started his earthly ministry. So let me read it to you. Uh, and so I looked it up and I started reading it right there at my desk, getting ready for the service in Luke chapter 4 verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and I'm reading from the New King James, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, so then that led me to look up the word oppressed in the Greek, and it has the the meaning of being crushed or broken down, and and so I'm like, man, I think uh, the Lord wants to minister to the oppressed tonight, and I've got a Bible study prepared. We're in the book of Daniel. I don't get a sense that I'm going to deviate from teaching the Bible study, but. Um, we start service. We open up in worship, and we had uh, our our worship pastor not feeling well, so he was called in sick. So Pastor Jason filled in uh, and led us in worship with his team, and we prayed together as Pastor Micah led me led us in our prayer points, and we pray as a, a church. and And then I came out and prayed, and and then I felt this. Uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to put a call out to the many people in our church, whoever's oppressed to just get up and come to the altar and let's pray for them. And so we had quite a few people come up to the altar in that call and and it's here's the thing. And I've got a I've got a big point that I'm making here and I noticed the lines are filling up so thank you. Uh we'll get to the phone lines in a minute but I I our church is already used to this but maybe your church isn't but we break the normal flow of things quite a bit there there you never know really how a is going to go last week it was all junior hires and pastor keegan led and sometimes we pray longer sometimes we pray uh, worship longer sometimes we it, it it mission updates testimonies interviews we we, we don't want to be so rigid and, and inflexible that it's the same thing same week same thing different week same thing different week but we want to be open the lord works in different ways and and so that 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 gained a quite a bit a of response and then i asked for the rest of the church to get up and pray for the oppressed and so they all walked up and so everybody's for the most part in the room a few hundred people are up at the front of the stage praying and it's a glorious and they're all praying out loud and it is a jumbled um Sound in the sanctuary. I don't know how it came off on the radio. I'm curious because we broadcast our services live, but it's just everybody's praying out loud. Everybody, everybody. There's crying. There's weeping. There's there's prayer. I'm praying out loud what the Lord's put on my heart. And man, it was just such a glorious, unbelievable outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that God was ministering to the oppressed, both in our in that room and then out uh, via technology. And so at the end of that. we were at the middle stage of our service. People went to sit down, and then I felt this burden. Again, it wasn't planned, but I felt this burden to not teach the Bible study, but to give a simple presentation of the gospel, of the necessity of repenting of sin, and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the blood of Jesus Christ forgives us for all, all of our sins, and, and just share that gospel message right then and there and then to give an invitation, an altar call, right then and there. And in that altar call, three precious women came up to the altar and prayed to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and they were born again according to his word. If they confess with their mouths the oh, Lord Jesus and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved, and they did that right there. And then I invited women, uh, some trusted women, Uh, in the room to come up and connect with those women and give them the new believer packet and give them uh, their phone number or however they connect with them, email, whatever, to be available to them. Then we taught a Bible study in the book of Daniel, which I believe God had sovereignly chosen for that evening. Then uh, Then I gave another altar call and another guy came up. He was visiting for the very first time from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he gave his life to the Lord and it was such a glorious working of the Spirit. So I say all this to say, it's okay to deviate, pastor, leaders, if you're following the leading of the Lord. And it's okay to deviate if you think you're following the lead of the Lord. Just step out in faith. Take a venture of faith and just do it. And, and you know, it, well, Ed, what if you gave the gospel and nobody responded? Look, responses are not my responsibility. My responsibility is just to give the gospel. And so if nobody responded, I mean, it's kind of sad that I would want people to see be saved. Like anytime we gather together, there are unbelievers uh, present. So, you know, kind of been a bummer if nobody responded, but I wouldn't have been personally embarrassed. Um, I wouldn't have been embarrassed that nobody responded because uh, I'm sharing the gospel over the radio, over the Internet, in the room downstairs in the overflow, over in the nursing mom's room, in the overflow room in the sanctuary. Like the word of God's not going to return void, number one. Number two, I'm i I'm by teach, sharing the gospel, I'm teaching the church how to do it. Number three, I'm giving an example to the church of stepping out in faith and it's not about me. So like it's embarrassed or not, it's not about me. Um, it's about the work and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, and, and, and so... I'm feeling this new wave of faith coming over our church. I'm feeling and sensing this new wave of uh, like a, an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon our church. Uh, I'm feeling like, and I, I do, I'm not um, using that word lightly. Like I feel it, I sense it, I watch it. I'm watching God confirm it through His Word and through the outpouring and response and the excitement and the discipleship and the steps of faith that I'm hearing that are happening in our church that like, we just need to find out what God's doing and get in the middle of it. We Just discover, just seek out what God's doing. And, and it doesn't have to be a church service. It doesn't have to be in a large church setting. It, it could be right now where you're listening at work and you've been wanting to share with the person in the cubicle. Here's God's answer. Go share, go share. Turn the radio off and go share. Go love. Go take that person to to dinner. Pray for that person. Look them in the eye and say, how can I pray for you? God has put me in this place. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and God has put me in this office to minister to you. You moms out there, go love your kids. You dads, you you care for your family. You singles, you, you give yourself to the fullness of God's work in your life. Do it. The time is short. And let's do it. Let's be faithful. Let's be willing to make mistakes. Let's be willing to be embarrassed. Let's be willing to be seen as fools for Christ. Let's get busy doing what God has called us to do. And let's stop the infighting. Let's stop the backbiting. Let's stop the nonsense. And let's go with the flow of the Spirit of God. And I believe that's a word from the Lord. We saw it last night, man. I was so encouraged. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we got one open line still. 303-690-3000. Let's go over to Thornton, Colorado. Line one is Desiree. Desiree, welcome to the program. Hey, Desiree, you with us? Hey, Desiree, I think we lost you. I'm sorry. Um, maybe I was uh, didn't get to you quick enough, but just call back. 303 690 3,000 is the number and now we have two open lines so give us a call 303-690-3000 is the number and let's go on to line two is Julia in Platteville, Colorado. Julia welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. God bless you by the way. Thanks. Um. I have a question. I was reading in Numbers today, um, yes. Numbers 620, and it talks okay. about a wave offering.
1: Yes. And I don't
2: know what that is.
1: Well, it was a, an offering that was given to the Lord that was literally waved before the Lord. Uh, let, me, let me look at it real quickly here. I was looking at Numbers 6, and I don't see that offering there. So let me see here, because number six, yeah, here we go, uh, priest shall wave as a wave offering before the Lord, they're holy, uh, together with the breast of the wave offering of the thigh of the heave offering, and let's see, uh, why don't I see that in my notes? I was looking to see what I taught on it, and I didn't even address it, so what a bummer Bible study that must have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I didn't even address that part of of the text. I only focused on the uh I only focused on the Nazarite vow. But um this is a, a symbolic offering um okay. that was given to the Lord, literally waved in the air before the Lord instead of put Almost like on the like the smoke burned. wave
2: type deal, right?
1: Yeah, it was it was given up and um it was um, I think if you look in number six, it was actually a part of the animal that was waved before. Um, priest shall take the boiled shoulder of the ram, an unleavened right. cake of the basket, an unleavened wafer. It was part of fulfilling the Nazarite vow. Um, okay. And he shall wave them. So the shoulder, uh, the cake, the unleavened wafer, and um, put them in the hands of the Nazarite and wave before the Lord. They'll be holy. Uh, and okay. after that, then the Nazarite can drink wine. So it was a very demonstrative portion of the sacrifice that was presented to God and then released for, by God for the use of those involved in the sacrifice.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
1: You, you're welcome. And you know, I think, I think one of the things that we learn here uh, is that the expression of worship and sacrifice to God is sometimes very demonstrative. Yeah. And I know in some churches uh, there's a tendency to be really uh, conservative and held back, and and while I respect that, I think that when you read through the Scriptures, you find that there are a variety of ways that are a- that we are able, that people of God throughout the centuries have worshipped God, and sometimes it's very demonstrative. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah, I know that a lot of other religions have more r- real rituals than we do. Um, you know, cuz we're more bible-based, learn the, you know, learn what it, what it's all about really. And yes. um so I didn't that part did got me. It's like, "Wait, what do you mean wait?" But then you explained it perfectly. So, thank you so much.
1: Well, great question. Thanks for calling.
2: Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number uh, it's great to be with you this afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor. If you missed the first part of the show, you missed some really great testimony of the anticipation and excitement of what God wants to do in our lives, what he wants to do in our churches, what he wants to do in our cities, how he wants to use us to bring about a practical demonstration of the gospel into people's lives. So give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number. And and as a reminder, um my producer reminded me, I've made this joke uh, before because, and it's actually not a joke, but let me tie it in together with, uh, I guess it is a joke, So, but it's nothing to joke about. Uh, there was a church in town, and I think they're still in town, and they still do this, but part of their giving, uh, part of their, the service where they give is the pastor would ask everyone to uh, pull out their checks and wave them in the air. And he would say that was like a wave offering, uh, and and that's actually not what Numbers is teaching—to wave your check in the air, to wave it like you just don't care. Um, that's actually a misappropriation of the wave offering, uh, especially of the tithes and offerings, and it was used in a real manipulative way. Um, don't do that. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Chris up in Thornton is on line three. Chris, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you. Uh, which pastor am I speaking with today?
1: My name is Ed. I'm sorry? Ed is my name, Chris.
4: Tuned Ed. in, Pastor Ed. Uh, you're breaking up. I'm sorry. I'm in a bad spot.
1: You um, want to call back or you want to you uh, want Can to call you hear back? me now? I can hear you fine, yeah.
4: Great. I can hear you now, too. Great. Uh, so uh, today, I, I wanted to uh, to say thank you so much, you and everybody who broadcasts the gospel on this station. I just found you guys uh, fairly recently, and you have been such a blessing to me.
1: Wonderful. You're
4: um, I welcome. just took a new job, and I'm, I'm going out on the road, over the road in a big rig for the first time. Um, and uh, I've been getting this this prompting for the last month. Uh, or maybe a little more. Uh, the words keep coming into my head to be sanctified and set aside, and uh, I'm I'm am working real hard to do that in my life. I desperately want to be of use to our Lord Jesus, and um, while I'm out on the road, um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that I can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and its promptings, and have eyes to see the need. And, and be used of God to touch somebody's life while I'm out there. And I That's was just wondering if I desire. could get, get some prayer for that.
1: Okay, let's do it. Father, we thank you for this new position that you've given to Chris, um, putting him in so many different places, connecting with so many different people. I pray for his safety, God, on the road. I, Lord, I pray that you would lead him to be that representative that he desires to be, that you'd establish him in this new calling, that you would— pour out your spirit in a wonderful way in his life and continue to edify and build him up through the teaching of your word. And we are grateful mutually, God. We're grateful with him for Grace FM. We're grateful, God, that you would put Christian radio uh, into the hands of churches that are dedicated to keeping Bible teaching on the air, verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter, all throughout the Bible, because your word does not return void. And may we as pastors commit ourselves to being men of your word and that we would continually uh, sanctify ourselves and set ourselves apart to you that we might be useful to continue to serve men like chris and men and women boys and girls all throughout the metro area to further the gospel and build up the saints and see the saved see the lost saved in jesus name amen
4: amen thank you so much ed
1: all right, bro, congratulations on your new job.
4: Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye.
1: 690 is the number. I got a text here. Uh, it says, quite a few people last night. Uh, God spoke to quite a few people last night on oppression, including myself. Even the same chapter in the book of Luke. It's still blowing my mind. God repeated himself many times. God bless you. Well, God bless you. Um, and I agree. Uh, this thing of oppression is no small thing. And I, I, just, I, don't, think it's, I don't think we're done um, with this topic. I don't think that we're done appropriating the release and freedom that God gives us from oppression, from being broken down and crushed. And there's a difference between oppression and humility. Oppression and brokenness, and I agree. I think I think God has just begun. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number, and we're going to move on to. Uh, let's see, it's Tony in Denver, Colorado. Tony, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, speaking on oppression, when I started listening to the program, you brought up oppression, so it made me think of something, and uh, I want to if I can articulate it here. Uh, My question has to do with the salvation of people who suffer mental disorders, and mental disorders in such a way, such as uh, psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissism, things that affect what would typically be the fruits of the Spirit. When you get saved, you show love, God taking a heart of stone, putting in a heart of flesh. Um, But despite that, the ones who have grown up with massive trauma, they're, they're incapable of to be able to be saved, yet still not be able to, to share, to show that, that level of love for, because of the, um, the, uh, the stuff that they've gone through in their own past. So i just wondering what the Bible says and what your take is on that.
1: I think the testimony—first uh, of all, let's start with this thought of this truth, not just a thought, that we are all born with broken minds. Uh, the, the difference being is that some minds are bro- more broken than others— uh, and the reason I believe that is that the Bible says that we were born into sin, and sin is a destroyer. Uh, the wages of sin is death, and so all of our minds are tainted by sin. And the difference, of course, is to the, the degree of what our mental breakdown is, what our mental psychosis might be, what our mental—we're the, the, all broken, and— and like you said, you describes a you described a category of someone that seems broken beyond repair, uh, and I think that for for us, you know, as we assess that, um, I think that's the only conclusion we could come to—they're broken beyond repair. And so I started thinking, you know, I'm started thinking about a few things in the Bible. You know, one of them, one of the times that Jesus, in the life of Jesus, um, that he demonstrated ability to change something that was beyond repair was in Luke chapter 6. Remember, it says that he met this man in the synagogue on the Sabbath who had a withered hand. And so they were watching him closely. And Jesus told the man with the withered hand, arise and stand here. And then he stood up. And then Jesus told him, I ask you one more thing. Is it lawful to... to, on the sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to destroy it and they told the guy with the withered hand stretch out your hand no that was an impossibility right this man was incapable incapable of stretching out his hand would you agree correct yes and 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 what did he do he stretched out his hand because in the moment in the instant of the command of Jesus Christ came the empowerment of Jesus and the renewal of Jesus and the healing of Jesus that his hand was no longer withered. And we find this testimony over and over again. I think about that guy that was in the tombs, remember? You could say that his his situation was more mental, more in his mind than the withered hand. You know, this guy was so out of his mind that they they locked him up in a tomb in a cemetery, um, they didn't want him. They didn't want him anywhere near people. And by being in a cemetery, uh, people wouldn't go to him. And you know the, the the same thing when when Jesus meets him, he's healed. And so while things are impossible with man, they're not impossible with God. And we don't want to lose hope, even for the worst case scenarios. We never want to lose hope.
0: So that brings the harder question, and the one that I've been struggling with is if a person who suffers from mental disability some kind of uh, uh, emotional or mental disability that that, that kind of comes to where they've been broken enough where they cannot show love, whatever may be the case. Is that to say that when they get saved or they believe they get saved, if you don't see that fruit, if you don't see that ability to love, does that mean they didn't get saved, despite the fact that that was a, a trauma that, that has to be worked out, of you know, the salvation to be worked out through their lifetime rather yeah. than an instantaneous and ability to love somebody or to be with somebody. Um, I guess that's kind of the the harder portion of my question. And yeah, and sometimes
1: our—but but here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. Let me ask you this. Uh, a, a kid came up to me last night, and he had a cast on his arm. And he had a cast on his arm because it's broken, right? Would you agree? Right. He told me how he broke it. It was a little kid. He fell on his on his elbow being a boy, and and so he's at church with a cast. And let's say the doctor said it's going to heal in six weeks. So six weeks pass, and his arm is healed. And on the seventh week, he comes up to me with a cast on. My immediate thought seeing the cast is his arm is still broken. But is it possible for the, um, a young boy to have a cast on an arm that's healed? Sure. And, and I believe it's possible for God to do a work behind scenes of a mind that's broken and unable to communicate that i think you're describing of an, an exception but i do think that it's possible that despite what we see i mean l- let me even put it one step further is it possible for a person in a coma to be able to hear everything that's being said around him
0: i've and known people to, in comas and none, none of them have but um i think it is possible
1: when people, and and I, while I haven't known them personally, my son responded to our uh, communication once he was in the, in the hospital and when he was in a coma. And so I believe it's to be true. We've had testimonies of it to be true so that while the body is unable to animate or communicate, a lot of things are happening that we don't see. Thanks for calling bro, we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome
5: back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000
1: or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. Such great calls the first half. um, Great outpouring of God's mercy and His love and grace through the airwaves. I'm always amazed how God uses technology. Uh, the, the, the power of communication, uh, just using faithful servants, uh, and to think of all the little pieces that have to go together in order to uh, get a radio program together, uh, all the technical, all the, the hyper-smart technical people, all the, the engineers and people that invented and figured out radio waves and the people that built the equipment and, of course, the people that run it every day, um, just good stuff, uh, thank you guys for your financial support. And it's always a good reminder. Support your local Christian radio, especially these church-run stations. Not the larger music stations. They're more; those are more hyper corporations that are close to billion-dollar operations. You know, K-Love, Way FM. Th- those are those are multi-billion or, excuse me, multi-million-dollar corporations. Uh, but a station like this that you're listening to, Hope FM, Truth FM. Grace FM is a church-run station that isn't a million-dollar station. It's run very bare bones uh, with minimal staff, minimal resources, putting the best product that we possibly can on the air for you, uh, and and every dollar counts. Um, I mean, literally every dollar counts. I was just signing some checks yesterday uh, for our church, paying some of the bills, uh, and um, you know, putting my signature on the checks they put on my desk and. You know, looking at, we got to pay phone bills, electric bills, internet, cable bills. Uh, 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 Kevin, our operations manager, was telling me he had to be up all night with patches for software and licenses and computers and on and on and on. So every dollar matters. Trust me. Every dollar matters, whether it's one or a hundred or a thousand, please, please. For us, uh, here at Grace FM, it was a multi-million-dollar purchase of a radio station that God provided, um, but all of that takes resources, and and we believe it. We believe we delayed major projects as a church in order to do this, uh, invest resources in outreach. Um, we we decided that this was the direction we wanted to go. Uh, we had our our elder board came together. We had our reasons. Uh, we still believe it. I believe it a million times more today than I did the day that we God opened this door for us. Uh, and so we depend uh, on the graciousness of the tithes and offerings and the offerings specifically to Grace FM. So check this out. You can donate directly at gracefm.com gracefm.com and just put, go in there. They got recurring things. You can You can just Uh, Go there We, Brother Josh put together A lot of work on behind the scenes To get the giving fixed We got a brand new easy, easy, easy giving That actually is better financially For the church where we pay less fees So there's always This sense of wanting to squeeze The most out of every dollar that God Entrusts to us So Go to gracefm.com Of course if you're listening to this show on another uh, Station, support your local Station Support your local station. Let's see where do we go back on? We're going to go back to um, uh, where? What line are we waiting on? It is line two. Is Stephen in Middletown, Pennsylvania? Stephen, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, Pastor, how you doing?
1: Good, man. What's up?
5: Well, um, I've called in a couple of different times um, about different things, um, and something that. I hear a lot um, on Hope FM, the various uh, Calvary Chapel pastors, they uh, tend to be more on the um, eternal security side of the discussion and the eternal security versus conditional security, which doesn't necessarily, it just happens not to be in agreement with how I personally believe. Um, And so I did have a question about, like, the nitty-gritty of it. And I know that uh, in the last call you mentioned... Um, somebody got into, we're in an exception, and <laughs> I apologize. My question deals with an exception as well.
1: Okay, let's do um, it.
5: Just the way that I'm understanding it, there's, like, three different, like, main camps. There's the conditional security where you can, ha- you can be saved and then you can lose your salvation. Then there's the, like, two different subgroups in the once saved, always saved. It's you either know that you're saved or you're not sure and you... Ultimately, figure it out when you get to heaven. Um, so my, the only issue I have is with when you say that once you're saved, you're always saved, and you can know if you're saved or not, guaranteed. Because if you draw that out to its most extreme conclusion, then I'm I can't escape the conclusion that that means that if you are saved, then you fall into a life of sin and backsliding, and you're actively pursuing. Um, just like the, a really negative life, then you're still saved, and I just can't reconcile that with God is sure. unable to tolerate sin.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about. Let me. I'm gonna uh, so all of your subgroups. I'm gonna throw out a whole different category for you that will. Uh, you can process this and chew on it, and then call me back uh, okay. in the future. But I'm gonna give you a whole new way to look at this because I, I want to. I think it's a simplified view. Um, that, that will help process us, and that is simply, we must define the nature of salvation. It, it is All the other outgrowths of salvation are secondary. We have to define this element of God saving a person, and I don't like the categories. I don't like eternal security. I don't like one save all. I don't like those categories because they are replacing a real biblical narrative. And I'm not opposed to them. I don't think they're wrong. I just don't like them because I want to use the biblical narrative to to, the closest I can be to the biblical narrative, the, the better I'll be. So the nature of salvation, let's ask a few questions. According to your understanding of the Bible at this point, is salvation temporary or is it permanent? Or another word for that would be eternal. What is it? Right, permanent. I I would agree with you so far. I think it's eternal. I would I would use the word permanent or eternal. Like it is, that is how it's described. It's described as eternal, not temporary. So that when a person is saved, Jesus actually used the phrase to describe that as being born again. A person is receiving new life. Right, even later on in. um, the Corinthians, Paul would, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to say that we are new creations in Christ. Old things uh, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so now we're born again, new creations in Christ. And would you say so far that, that those are accurate descriptions of salvation? Absolutely. So then, if we apply those definitions, or at least those, those descriptions, to this question, can you recall a time in the Bible when anyone was unborn again at any time?
5: I don't think so. The only one that is even, like, at all questionable, it would be Judas, uh, okay. and that's the question of was he truly saved, or was he just, like, a, right. an imposter?
1: So I'd agree with you. I would agree with that That Judas poses a dilemma, a small dilemma, not much of a big one, but a small dilemma. Uh, but I would agree with you. I can't recall, nor do I know. It's kind of a trick question, but I, I there is nobody that's ever been unborn again. Secondly, can you think of anyone that was born again twice? Mm-mm. No, I can't. Uh, me either. Can you th- can you recall any doctrine, any teaching in the new covenant that requires a person to be repetitively saved? And I don't want too don't much dead air so. time, but yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you. I don't. I and with those definitions, then. I know there's some troubling passages, I'm not discounting that. that, and that's part of the beauty of the Bible. There's definitely some troubling passages, there's definitely some passages that intimate losing salvation or falling away uh, and, and apostasia, I get that, I'm not dismissing that at all. It's, it's the beauty of the Bible, you know, the mystery of salvation, but we have to learn to interpret the difficult passages of the Bible by the easy passages of the Bible, Like, we we interpret what we don't know by what we do know for sure. And so, knowing that salvation is eternal, knowing that you're only born again once, knowing that there's no example, no teaching, no warning against being unborn again, I say that a person is born again whether they sin again or not. Because one of the things that salvation does not do is take away the sin nature. There is still a habitual flesh, the Bible says, that even the epitome of a man like Paul the Apostle had to deal with this in his life. In Romans chapter 7, I mean, those are the confessions of a frustrated believer, not a frustrated <clears throat> unbeliever. And really, only believers are frustrated over their sin anyway. So that the fact that a person's frustrated or or a person that's wrestling, a person that's guilty, a person that is feeling remorse over their sin. To me, those are all indications of a saved person wrestling with the reality of life. Now, with all that in mind, to the person that's repetitively sinning, I don't think that's necessarily an exception. I think it's a warning to a person. And I do make room for a backslider. I definitely do make room because God makes room for the backslider. He's the one that uses the phrase... He's the one that gave us the prodigal of the parable. Excuse me, the parable of the prodigal son. And you know, while that son was rebellious against his dad, did he ever stop being a son? And the answer is no. He never stopped being a son. The parable is a son rebelling against his dad in rank sin, like rank rebelliousness, a rank resistance to the love of his dad. And really, I know that we've called the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, but it's actually a better subtitle a better title for that would be the parable of the loving father that never gives up. And so I think a true salvation experience prevents a person from living in repetitive sin. Um I, I don't know who's saved or who's not saved, but I can tell you this if I meet a person that's in rank rebellious sin, I'm going to challenge them on it. And I will even lead them to challenge their salvation, whether they're truly saved or not. Now, I don't know if they are or not, but I would warn them, challenge them, call them to repentance. The way we put it here at Calvary is this. If you say you're a believer, we'll treat you like one. If you say you're a believer and you act like an unbeliever, we'll treat you like one. If, if you are in our church and you act like an unbeliever, we're going to call you to repentance. So either way, we're going to treat you with the biblical model but I, I don't want to give people false assurance. Like if you're living like the devil, I don't know if you're saved. You're still not acting like it. And well, you know, I was saved when I was five and my grandma had me on her knee and I'm like, well, I don't know if that was real or not because real believers don't live a reckless, rebellious life like you. And I will call a person of repentance. What are your thoughts?
5: That sort of lines up because that's where I see it as well. <laughs> Ultimately, you got to call a fate a fate. if you're living a life of unrepentant sin. There's this issue, and you can't condone that. You ambiguous can't condone that. Correct. Um, and it's, it's like what James says: dead faith is not effectual. Like, show me your faith without your works. That's not that kind of faith is dead and can't do anything.
1: Yes, I, I think that we have to make allowances though. Um, I think we need to to make allowances to the reality of the fallenness of humanity, the fact that we live in the we have a threefold enemy: the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that salvation doesn't mean sinless perfectionism. And, Absolutely. And so, the way a person responds to sin—I mean, you know—I've been serving in this church now for twenty years, and the. You know, I've seen a lot come through. the through. I've seen a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties. Uh, and I know that people wrestle. True believers struggle with sin. and But we as believers and we as pastors and leaders, we just got to tell people the truth. And I would never want to give a false sense of assurance to someone if they are openly rebellious to God. But I want to do it in love. I want to do it carefully. I want to do it gently. I want to do it... The Bible says don't you Paul said to the Romans don't you know it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance but like we don't just repent we live a life of repentance it's not just an act remember when it theologically you know there's these theological words that describe the salvation experience we kind of say saved from a past present and future but the bible words for that is we are we are justified that saves the past we are sanctified, that's changing and saving the, the present, and then we'll be glorified, so sanctif- justification, sanctification, glorification. That's the encompassing work of the Holy Spirit until we meet Jesus face-to-face in the life of the believer.
5: Sounds good. That makes a lot more sense. Like I like the breakdown of the justification, sanctification, glorification, because those steps, not all of them have happened yet. So ultimately, like yeah, okay, I, I I can track
1: on with that. Right. So justification is a point in time. That's the moment you were born again. Sanctification is the ongoing process until you meet Jesus face to face. And then glorification is the moment you shed your earthly body and you awaken in the presence of God. You will then be fully glorified. So that like we're saved from the past. We have we have been saved. We are being saved and we will be saved. That's the kind of English that we would put to that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. That's the that's the beauty of the Book of Romans, really. The Book of Romans unfolds those three aspects, justification, glorific- uh, sanctification, glorification. Uh, that's why it took us three years to study through the Book of Romans as a church. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um just before you're I go welcome. I wanted to say I really appreciated um your answer to the last question. Um I am a family therapist who deal with individuals and the issues that come up with um, these sort of mental um, disabilities and blocks and things of that nature so I really appreciate it hearing your perspective.
1: Well thanks and and I love I love how you I how you're also wrestling with the text and and really wrestling with these fundamental doctrines you know I think the reason I try to shy away from all the terms that are used because we tend to lose the forest for the trees when we get stuck on, like, once saved, always saved. And then our minds almost automatically rebel against a statement like that because we're like, well, I can think of some exceptions. I can think of, instead of going, well, let's just get to the root. What What is, like the doctrine of the Trinity, for example, that is a very difficult doctrine to rationalize in our logical minds. And so instead of trying to explain it, we just let the Bible reveal it. And so the way I break down the doctrine of the Trinity is very similar. What does the Bible say about God the Father? What does the Bible say about God the Son? What does the Bible say about God the Holy Spirit? And how do we tie those together? Because this is what the Bible says. And it makes the argument so much more simpler.
5: That's exactly, wow, that's a, good, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that, but that make you make excellent you're making excellent
1: sounds. Well, thanks for your call from Pennsylvania. God bless you, my brother.
5: Hey, God bless. Thanks.
1: All right, bye-bye. Middletown, Pennsylvania. I'm gonna be on the East Coast in a couple weeks. I'm gonna be up in Old Bridge, New Jersey, teaching first at the big radio outreach, um, not Hope FM, but um uh the bridge that covers all Manhattan, up in that area of Old Bridge. Uh, I think Pastor Bill Lupkin's going to be there too. A couple of teachers that are also on Hope FM. My friend Pastor Jim Kivney's going to be there. Uh, probably Tony Clark's going to be there. Um, you know, Bill Lupkin will probably be up there. Uh, and then I'll be teaching the Sunday morning services at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge in a couple weeks. And then, then I'll be up in Virginia uh, in a couple months. Going to be teaching for my friend Tony Clark. Calvary Chapel, Newport News, Virginia. I just love my time on the East Coast. I love, I I was, my first trip to the East Coast was Calvary Chapel, was the East Coast Pastors Conference, Pastor Joe Foch and Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. And I've met a lot of new friends there. And I just love the ministry on the East Coast. I love the privilege of being on the radio, both on the bridge and also on Hope FM, and I love the phone calls we get, the texts that we get. I even had a sister, shout out to my sister, that sent me some uh, jelly beans, my, my favorite jelly bellies, <laughs> all the way from New Jersey. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, I love my relationships out there. And now I've got Stephen here in Middletown, uh, Pennsylvania, so blessed. Um, we're going to go to Maryland again. We've got some Maryland calls. Jeff, uh, yes. welcome to the program.
3: Hello.
1: Hey, you're on the air.
3: Oh, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, many years ago, I used to live in Old Bridge, New Jersey. Did you really? Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm from Freehold, so Old Bridge is only maybe 14 miles away from there.
1: So this is my first time to Old Bridge. I've been to. They do that big outreach on the beach, like a little town. Um, Oh, God, it's, a, it's like a Methodist town on the beach. Um
3: okay, would it be like a northern Jersey, a keyport?
1: No, my goodness, I can't remember where they're doing it. Um, its They have little El- tents set up there. Um, they have a... Delmar? Moody. What is it? Delmar? No, D.L. Moody taught there. Um, they've got Ocean Grove, Ocean Grove.
3: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: That's where the outreach is going to be. And then we'll be driving to Old Bridge. That's, it's going to be a big outreach on Saturday. Uh, big Daddy Weave, a big concert, big outreach. And then Sunday morning we'll be driving. I've never been to Old Bridge before, so I'm looking forward to seeing the town.
3: Oh Well, Oldbridge is a nice town to visit. It really is. <laughs> Good.
1: I'm looking forward to it. What can I do for you?
3: Okay. Well, um, I am reading the Bible, okay. and at the same time I am teaching myself Hebrew. because I I have some Jewish friends, and I like to know a little perspective on both faiths, and I realized through my readings that the Jewish version of the Bible, the Torah, is actually the first five books of the Bible, the books of um, um, Moses. Now, I'm reading the Bible, and so many times in the Bible... And in so many of these uh, religious movies that I've been watching lately, they all mention the fact that the Jews are the chosen people, where correct. God promised them the promised land, and he's basically treating them very special. And they say, yes. you're, you're the chosen people. You're really, really the, the, the ones to uh, you are the special ones. Now, my That's question correct. is, I'm kind of confused, because if they are the chosen people... Um, I, what I understand is, I may be wrong, but the, the Jewish faith does not believe that Jesus is the Savior, the correct. Son of God, So, but however, they are still the chosen people. So um, now, in your your calls today, you were going through uh, saying that if you are saved, if you believe in Jesus, then Jesus can correct. help, and Je- you pray to Jesus, and Jesus this, Jesus that, now where on the totem pole do the Jews sit if they don't believe Jesus is who he is yet they are the chosen people? It's a little confusing for me and I thought maybe you might have a quick answer.
1: <laughs> well that there's a that's a big long uh, encompassing answer that would be required of that because the the Jews were chosen prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, prior. So at the time of the chose the at the time that God chose abraham's descendants to be his chosen people um, messiah jesus christ had not yet come so the idea of god having a chosen people encompasses both before and after god's promise of a savior has been fulfilled so let's first ask the question If they're rebellious and they don't want anything to do with him and they don't desire him, which is not unique to just today, many Jews reject Jesus Christ as I'm speaking, then why would they be the chosen people? And actually the Torah answers that question. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, the Bible says, "'The Lord did not set his affection on, on you and choose you, because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples.'" But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. And so the the answer to why he chose them is very simple. God said he chose them because he loves them. And that's it. There's no other reason um, in the simplicity of that question. Uh, and this is, he, it was God's prerogative as the creator of the universe to choose, and this was his choice. And this is how he chose to unfold the story of salvation, how to unfold the lineage, the purity of lineage of the Savior to come. And so, even though, even like a parent listening right now that might have a child that's not listening and not, not loving them in return or rebelling, the, the parent still loves them despite their behavior and and so the the choice upon them the choice upon the people of God is because of his love and today there is a the bible says that there is a time where god has turned his attention to the non-jewish people the gentiles but there's coming a time when the fullness of the gentiles comes and god then turns its attention back to the jewish people and through the last 7 years of human history God will re- will continue to fulfill all of his promises to the Jewish people in the time we know as the Great Tribulation, period. So God's love upon that group of people is purely out of uh, his choice because of love, period. Okay, okay. All right, so, but, uh, all right, this just, uh, but Jesus was a Jew. Yes, he is.
3: Okay, so then he was chosen before himself came around and but all right so i'm i'm thinking that god encompasses all because he loves all so we in effect are we are all chosen
1: well the opportunity of god's choosing there's a uniqueness upon the children of israel that does not belong to you and me however by faith in jesus christ there's a uniqueness upon you and me that hasn't been extended to those that have not embraced Jesus Christ. So you, you've got, now you're, now you're breaking down, that's why the question is a much broader question, because now you're breaking down different categories of the work of God over the epics, over time. But there is a uniqueness upon the children of Israel, a unique identity that you and I do not possess as Gentiles and never will possess. We, we can be grafted in, we can be brought in, to that love of God but we don't lose our uniqueness and neither does the Jewish people. Hey, thanks for calling. Okay. We, um, thank we're we so coming much. up to the end of today's show. Okay, thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. All right, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, grateful for the Coast to Coast calls. Well, basically Coast to Denver. <laughs> we didn't get to the West Coast. We're still praying for more stations to pick up our show on the West Coast uh, and and so it'd be if you're listening and you own a station, we'd love uh, to be picked up and uh, literally go coast to coast. But we do go coast to coast because many, 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 many people listen to the podcast. We have a podcast of Calvary Live. Just go to your podcast, uh, whatever um, podcast you use, whatever delivery system, and search Calvary Live or Grace Church or Grace FM, and it'll pop up. I also have a personal podcast It is called Lead the Number Two Serve. Lead to Serve. Just go to go to your podcast and put in Calvary Church or Ed Calvary Ed Taylor, and subscribe. Um, Our daily radio, our weekly our weekly teaching. My personal, it's a leadership podcast. Um, Those go coast to coast. Thousands upon thousands are joining and subscribing and listening. Uh, So join our team. Join our team. And again, one of the ways you can join our team is by supporting us financially. Go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com. I got a quick text message that said, wait a minute, the number to text to serve is a different area code than Colorado. Yes, it is because that's what our company is. The company we use for giving, that's their service, that's their area code. But it's legit and it works. And you can go to gracefm.com and all the information to give Uh, we We appreciate it. Everything will be used for the glory of God. God bless you guys. May the Lord pour out His Spirit upon your life as you grow in grace. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.